Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flyworld Nation community, go to flyworldnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. pillars to health, and that is exercise and nutrition. Well, wait a second. Sleep is also really important. So now I've got three, but wait, now we're stressed. There's four. What I've noticed across the board, the thing that has the biggest impact on our resiliency and our health is sleep. So I no longer think of it as one of the equal four pillars. I think good foundational solid sleep is the base of the pyramid on which everything else is built. Because if you don't have high quality sleep, how much more likely are you to skip your workout or not have the energy for it or not feel like you have the willpower? When you don't have enough sleep, your insulin is 20 to 40% less effective. What that means is when you eat that donut, your body has a much more difficult time using that. And instead, it usually leads to more hunger, more sugar cravings, and our ability to compensate with stress goes out the window. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. Now, I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Tanessa Shears. Tanessa is a kinesiologist, a certified sleep science coach, a health consultant, and host of the Becoming Limitless podcast. She helps entrepreneurs scale their business by optimizing their health, focus, and productivity with science and biohacking. Tanessa works closely with business owners to implement effective sleep, nutrition, movement, and out-of-the-box stress management strategies so that they can eliminate brain fog and wake up feeling well-rested, energized, and focused. She optimizes the performance capacity of your body and your brain using a combination of wearable technology and coaching so you can produce more impactful work and scale your business faster. A word from Flywheel Nation, our sponsor. You're doing great in business, but do you ever feel like you're missing out on a game-changing connection or insight? Supercharge your success with Flywheel Nation. Tap into the collective wisdom of high-impact achievers. Gain exclusive access to resources and expand your network in our vibrant community. Experience accelerated growth, breakthrough insights and powerful connections to elevate your business. Act now. Secure your spot and transform your journey today. Simply go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel to join.
In our conversation today, Tanessa and I discuss the impact of sleep and brain fog on entrepreneurs. The three key points we covered are that sleep is essential for memory and should be a health priority. Tanessa shared strategies to optimise sleep that can be applied to both adults and babies. And she explained that brain fog can be a sign of lack of sleep and can have a negative effect on our productivity and energy levels. With the right strategies, entrepreneurs can eliminate brain fog and make the most of their lives. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Tanessa Shears. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Vancouver in Canada, Tanessa Shears who helps entrepreneurs eliminate brain fog and boost their productivity, their energy, and their focus with science. She's also host of the Becoming Limitless podcast. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Tanessa. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to today. Yeah, me too. Now, um, you, as I mentioned, you work with entrepreneurs. You, you've kind of decided that um, taking the fitness industry into business is is your niche and you've got a lot of science to back it up and um, I'm really excited to be digging into all of that and uh, uh, learning a lot for myself as well as uh, sharing that information with the listeners, of course. So um, before we do all that, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Tanessa? Oh, I'm helping people get excited about sleep again. Like this is one of those topics that everyone like it, it was cliche as it sounds like I'm getting people to stop sleeping on sleep because once we realize like how amazing, you know, our brains and our energy, what they're supposed to feel like when they're working properly and they're not foggy and we're not feeling exhausted all of the time, like the things that you can do with your life, the projects that you thought you never had time for, the activities that you never thought you had the energy for, like to be able to get that back and funnel it, whether that's into your business or your life, like it is life changing. We only get one life and I want to feel as good as I can for as much of it as I can. Mm, wonderful. And and there's a lot to unpack there, um, particularly around, well, the idea of brain fog and, and sleep and we... Um, I remember when I was a, a young fellow um, in my student days and I would, I worked really hard, but I worked long hours and I probably only got four hours sleep and I was doing pretty intensive sports at the time as well as, as the studies and I thought, I wonder how long I can keep this up. And, and today, if I think, just thinking about that makes me feel tired. Yeah, definitely. The um, the impact, like so much of that lack of sleep does have on us. And we notice it the more, the older we get. And that was the interesting thing is when I was in university, like I was, uh, I was a pretty good student and I didn't realize that the fact that I got eight to nine hours of sleep before a test was actually my superpower for memory. <laughs> I just didn't put the dots together until I started, you know, pursuing this as a career. And then I was like, hey, I bet you that's why I did so well in school. That's why I remembered everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but the, um, 
a bit of a paradox, though. You're a young mum of a couple of um, a toddler and, and uh, still baby, and uh, my recollection of that time is that wasn't a time where we got a lot of sleep as parents. So how do you manage that? Yeah, well, you know what the funny thing was is I, I, I really got into all of this when I was in my first pregnancy and through my first uh, newborn phase, so to speak, because you're right, the sleep is fragmented, it's short, it's all, it's unexpected, you never know what you can count on. So <laughs> I remember thinking like, hey, I've got to make the most of this. So how can I optimize the sleep I am getting? And I started by doing that, meaning like if I'm only going to get four and a half hours tonight, how can those be the best four and a half hours that I can possibly get? How can I protect the sleep I do get? And then I paired that with taking kind of my, my experimental brain and trying to biohack my kids' sleep. So I always am like, okay, if our brains respond to stimuli this way and light and temperature and all of these things, I wonder if it works like that for babies. And babies actually develop a circadian rhythm around 12 weeks. So much of the strategies that I was using on myself, I started using on my kids and they started sleeping through the night pretty quick. So thankfully, I didn't go too long without getting sleep. <laughs> hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. And there's probably a huge market there. I mean, we're not going to talk about in depth about how to get babies to sleep, but I imagine that's a huge business opportunity. Oh, for sure. But the strategies are similar after they're about three or four months. It's think about it. Like our kids do well with routine. So do we. The kids sleep well in the dark. So do we, right? So you look at a lot of those things and realize that they are very similar. And when we apply those strategies we use with our kids, to, and when they're a bit older with ourselves, that's when we really start getting really good sleep. Hmm. All right. Well, let's come back to the um, the issue that, that hmm. we're trying to address, brain fog and, and less than peak performance. So tell me a little bit more. What What is brain fog and what's the impact it has on us as, as a person and as an entrepreneur in our business? Yeah, brain fog is an interesting one. It's not something that you could walk into your doctor's office and they would be like, mm, that sounds like brain fog because it's actually a collection of symptoms. It's like foggy thinking. It's um, being unable to recall names, details, little things like that. It feels as if you just have low energy throughout the day. Uh, you don't have um, creativity. You just kind of feel like you're you know that experience of like trying to run through sand, how it's not as effective as running on pavement? It's like trying to think through sand. It just doesn't feel like it's working properly. So that's the experience of brain fog. And when that shows up in our business, there are so many things that are affected from our ability to communicate clearly, right? Like if I'm not able to create the ideas that I want from what's in my head, that's going to impact my business. If I'm not able to read my client's facial expressions and body gestures, I'm not going to be able to do as good of a job as a coach. Or if I go to sit down to work in my business, and then I've also got Amazon open and Facebook and email and Instagram, and I'm constantly distracted, it's going to take me twice as long to do anything. So your ability to get through those needle moving tasks slows down. And then pair that with that inability to focus. It really just feels like you're not able to get any traction in your business. And it just feels like everything is all over the place and slow and disorganized. Hmm. And, and what causes that? I mean, obviously there's, there's a sleep aspect. <laughs> is it, do, 
and and I imagine there's people that ask you, can I take a magic pill? <laughs> can I take a tablet to fix this? Yeah, the main cause of brain fog comes down to the inflammation that is going on in our body and how much inflammation we're experiencing. And in a lot of the work with my entrepreneurial clients, it'll come down to one of three things. It's either we are getting either short or low quality sleep. That's number one. We're on what I like to call the blood sugar roller coaster. So we're eating in a way that creates a ton of inflammation in our body. Our blood sugar is going up and down. We're getting that afternoon energy crash or our stress has gone unchecked. And it can start as just kind of like feeling a little overwhelmed and like you can't catch up and then you're really behind and there's so much to get done and then you'll get maybe an email that's not very friendly and all of a sudden it'll feel like you've lost track of the entire day. So it's that stress that's gone unchecked that creates that constant cortisol and that inflammation there. So to sum it up, it usually is something to do with sleep, food, or unchecked stress. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're usually the things that uh, as entrepreneurs, we, uh, you know, we work very hard. So we neglect sleep. We kind of eat it, but we don't, sometimes we don't eat at the right times or, and then when we do eat, we eat big, <laughs> like late at night. And of course the stress is, there's always some level of stress there. So I think we can, um, we can dig into the idea of stress resiliency there because I find that fascinating topic as well. But let's let's come back to you said at the beginning sleep was kind of the thing you're you're making the biggest impact right now. So tell us a little bit more about sleep. How do we first of all getting enough sleep? Um, I think everybody kind of understands that get to bed early enough and 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 get up at a, at a sensible time. But um, the quality of sleep is the other aspect. So how do we how do we tackle both of those things? And then yeah, I'll have a follow up question. Yeah. So first thing, the the sleep duration question is an interesting one because most people will say, "I'm fine. I sleep seven hours a night. I sleep eight hours a night. We don't need to talk about that. Let's talk about something more exciting." But what I've discovered, like I'm a huge fan of wearable technology. Like at this moment, I'm wearing an Aura Ring and a Fitbit, and both of them track different components of my wellness. But when I first started wearing them, I always thought I was the type of person, you know, I went to sleep at 11 and I woke up at six, that's seven hours, right? Hmm. But what I had no clue about was this thing called sleep opportunity. So if you're in bed 11 to six, that's your sleep opportunity. You have given yourself the opportunity to sleep for seven hours. Hmm. Now, I analyze all the data off of these devices from my clients and the average entrepreneur is awake about an hour and 15 minutes every night. That's 75 yeah. minutes. That can be your busy brain worrying before you fall asleep, that tossing and turning. It can be waking up in the middle of the night to go to the washroom or your kids wake you up or your brain decides to review tomorrow's schedule at three mm. in the morning for an hour. Or it's just when you're waking up. So now think about this. If you told yourself you were getting seven hours, and you're the average entrepreneur that's awake for an hour 15, you're now in that 5.45 to six hour range of sleep and there is an impact on cognitive performance. Hmm. So first check ourselves and it's like, are we really getting as much sleep as we think we are or are we only measuring the opportunity we're giving ourselves to sleep? So I think that's part one. And then you asked about the quality. 
Now, with the quality, why this is so important is because there are the, the two big buckets of things that happen in our brain at night while we sleep are deep sleep. And deep sleep is wonderful because it physically refreshes us. If you go for a run or you go for a workout or you're on your feet a lot during the day, that's what recovers our physical body and gets us physically prepared for the next day. It also rejuvenates our brain. So this is preparing our brain for the next day, making sure that any any metabolites that accumulated on your brain that may lead to dementia, Alzheimer's down the road, it makes sure those are taken care of. So if we want to be physically refreshed and feel clear when we wake up, deep sleep is where it's at. But on the other end of the night, mostly early in the morning, that's when we spend so much time dreaming. Now, dream sleep is that rapid eye movement sleep, and it is responsible for mental restoration. So you're thinking things like creativity, problem solving, emotional management. So if you're ever woken up feeling irritated or a bit snappy or grumpy, likely we're missing the REM sleep bucket there. Um, and then on top of that, like I, like I was mentioning earlier, like my ability to read your facial expressions and register those in my subconscious brain that this is making sense. This is not making sense. I need to explain this. My ability to do that is created in REM sleep. And here's the fun thing. Humans are supposed to get 20 to 25% of the night in REM sleep. Monkeys get 9%. And so when we don't actually get quality sleep, we literally have monkey brains. So I love this idea of paying attention and making sure we're getting enough of each of those two buckets of sleep so that our brain can function properly in our business the next day. Hmm. That's fascinating. So 25% REM sleep and how much deep sleep is, is yeah, ideal? Deep sleep is 15 to 20%. Um, this is one of those buckets though that as we age, we do lose our ability to generate deep sleep. So we hmm. do want to protect these, right? And REM sleep, 25% is like the high end. We look at 20 to 25%. If you're just like, give me a ballpark number, that's about an hour and a half to an hour in each one. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So I'm just thinking of my numbers. <laughs> so I, I struggle to get to, and I usually get about 45 minutes deep sleep, and sometimes I do get an hour. So I, I'm, and I'm aiming to get that up to an hour. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on. But I'm interested to learn more about. Okay, what can I do? So <laughs> there's the yeah. next bit. So there's okay. um, coming back to what you said earlier. I mean, I've often had this situation where I wake up at three in the morning, and there's some idea come into my head. Um, I, it might have been out of REM sleep. There's some, oh, I could do that. And then I get all excited about that. And then, then I start planning it out in my head. And that's, of course, then I'm awake. <laughs> and getting back to sleep and shutting the brain down is very difficult. Do you have any tips in that sort of situation? Because I imagine a lot of entrepreneurs, that's, that's what happens to them in the middle of the night. Uh, do you have any tips there for kind of shutting down the brain and saying, you know, deal with that tomorrow morning and get back to sleep? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of things we look at right off the bat. The, the reason that I usually find there's those um, wake ups in the middle of the night where our brain gets going is one of two reasons. If we are eating too close to bed and of foods which spike our blood sugar, we are more likely to have a cortisol release and our heart rate does not come down and our blood pressure does not come down into sleep because we need to be focusing that energy on digesting, right? So what that can create is that blood sugar that does not come down in sleep and can increase cortisol. 
And that can cause us to wake up. So what I like to look at is, are we eating within the two to three hours of bed? And then the meals we are eating for our last meal of the night, are they balanced with fats and proteins or are they just really high carb things like plates of pasta and sandwiches? Like, Hmm. is there balance in there? So that's number one. Number two is like, okay, is our cortisol just naturally high because we haven't disengaged from our business? I have some clients that like to jump back in after kids go to bed and work for two or three Hmm. hours, or they open up a business book or a self-development book before bed. And we think like, oh, this is a great way to wind down. But if I'm constantly waking up, this tells me that my brain might not be winding down properly before bed. And so what I'm looking at is what are the things that are stimulating my brain to not be allowed to relax and reduce that cortisol. And this can be anything from input. So we talked about like, what are we reading? What kind of light are we exposing our eyes to? Because different colors, like the blue light from our screens, tell our brain it's the middle of day. So there's definitely these things we can look at. Um, But to address your last part is like, well, what can we do when we're up? I have a trick that works so well. And it's not even a trick. It's all based in in research. So normally when we wake up at that time in the night, our heart rate is going because we have that adrenaline jolt, right? So this is so neat. But when you breathe in, your heart rate speeds up. And when you breathe out, your heart rate slows down. Now, if you want to calm your brain and your body so that you can go back to sleep, you need to make sure you're breathing out more than in. So there's a trick called the physiological sigh. If you've ever seen kids cry and they go (laughs) at the end, that's actually a reflex to help them calm themselves when they're crying. So we're using Yeah. So what we're going to do, if you think about it, I'm going to breathe in through my nose as much as I can. I'm going to sneak in a little inhale again at the top, and I'm going to do a very long exhale through my mouth. So it sounds like, and you're exhaling for as long as you can. It takes on average two to three of those long breaths for your heart rate to begin to drop. And I usually do about eight to 10 before I find I'm drowsy enough to fall back asleep. But this is a real-time strategy you can use even in your business during the day to help calm a fight or flight trigger. Mm, mm, Fascinating. That's a brilliant trick. I'm going to have to use that on the bike. I'm not sure I can use it when I'm awake in the middle of the night, though, because my resting heart rate is down at 40. 42. So my wife says, I wonder if you're still alive. So I'm not yeah. sure I want to slow it down much more than that. Yeah. Well, think it can also, what it does is it by exhaling out, it does engage the parasympathetic side of our yeah. nervous system. So we can either do fight and flight or rest and digest. So mm. this is a really good way to kind of invite in calm through breath work, something that's really natural mm. and that we're doing anyways is just manipulating the inhale, exhaling. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent advice. All right. Um, so coming back to this idea of um, winding down at the end of the day and and nutrition also, what we eat and when we eat, playing a role in how well we sleep. So talk to us a little bit more about the the nutrition part of it. What's What's a good kind of eating sequence in the evening? And how can we optimize that better or how can we adapt that better to improve our sleep? Yeah. So we all hear about blood sugar. And I used to think like a long time ago, well, blood sugar is for people who have diabetes or who have blood sugar Mm. issues. But we all have blood sugar when we eat food, specifically 
carbohydrate containing foods or foods that have, you know, really um, overconsumption of protein, let's just say. What happens is when those hit your blood, naturally the sugar levels in your blood come up. And we have a hormone called insulin that helps bring them back down. But insulin is only so effective at night. It does its job really well in the morning, but it struggles a bit at night. Hmm. So when we eat very high carb meals at night, it kind of really struggles to bring our blood sugar levels back in line. And so what we want to be thinking is, okay, if I'm looking at my plates, this is not to say we don't eat carbohydrates. It's like, okay, we don't eat what I call naked carbohydrates. So carbohydrates by themselves, meaning if you have pasta and bread, those are naked carbohydrates. Hmm. However, if you have, let's say, rice with chicken and some vegetables and you add in maybe some an olive oil in there or something with healthy fats, those actually help to mitigate that spike in blood sugar, hmm. which will help us sleep better. And then how we can apply this during the rest of the day is whenever we get giant spikes in blood sugar from what I call processed carbohydrates. So think of any type of carbohydrate that comes as a powder, sugar and flour. They hit our bloodstream. They make that spike happen faster. So if we are constantly getting a spike of blood sugar and then insulin takes it down and a spike of blood sugar and insulin takes it down, when we go on that down phase of the ride, so to speak, that's when we get those midday energy crashes, mm. the foggy thinking, we feel like taking a nap. So I'll often be strategic on a morning like this where I have three or four calls lined up. I want to make sure that my breakfast is primarily healthy fats, healthy protein. I might get a little bit of fruit in there with the fiber, but I'm not going to want to load my meals with really heavy carbohydrates. Mm. That'll just cause my brain to crash. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Wonderful advice. And I, for a time, I was um, really into the um, the zone diet, the 40-30-30, balancing the protein, carbohydrate, and, and healthy fats. And I found that actually um, did exactly what you said. It kept those insulin levels kind of reasonably constant, and it, it kept the energy levels fairly high. I've sort of slipped off that now, but I... I often do lots of big, long bike rides, and that's when I carbo-load. <laughs> that's when yeah. I need the energy. <laughs> yeah, well, the easiest yeah. question to just ask is if, if your audience is like, okay, well, how can, how can I look at my plate and tell? <laughs> if you look at your plate, ask yourself this. Of the things on my plate, did these things come from the ground at some point or have a mother? Because if you're looking at a piece of like a cheesy or a chip or a piece of yeah. pizza, they didn't come from the ground and none yeah. of those had mothers. So those are, that's just a really easy question to ask yourself. If you're like, is this process and is it going to be good for my body and my brain? Or maybe less so. And it doesn't mean you never eat them. It means we're maybe strategic about when we eat them if we want high performance thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. All right. Well, the other aspect you mentioned there in sleep is the question of light and i mean we hear a lot these days about screens and blue light um, but there's a lot more to it isn't there so talk to us a little bit more about what we can do there and and you mentioned earlier also um, that with your babies who you actually kind of applied some of the principles there to to regulate their circadian rhythm. So talk to us a little bit about how we can use light as as yeah. business owners to help with sleep. Yeah, that word you said, circadian rhythm, hits it right on the head. So <laughs> if you're listening and you're like, what's a circadian rhythm? Your body has a built-in 24-hour clock that is dictated by day and night signals based on the light information our bodies are getting. And light is such a potent form 
of stimulation because it tells our brain what hormones to produce at what time of day. Like we don't want cortisol at night to wake us up and melatonin in the morning to put us to sleep. That's backwards, right? We don't want our body temperature to rise and fall at the wrong time. We don't want to be tired at the wrong time of day and alert at night. So by using light to tell our brain how to behave, we can actually alter the alertness and the focus that we can feel in our business. So I want you to think about this. If you rewind back to pre-indoor lighting and technology days, right? And so we basically knew to wake up and go to sleep by we look outside and it's bright out or it's dark out, right? But now we've got these indoor lights and it can be day all day long. So what ends up happening is we have these lights that are telling our brain it's the middle of day, don't have melatonin, which is that hormone that helps you sleep. But the problem is we go and turn these lights out and our brain takes a natural amount of time to ramp up melatonin production. So we sit there like staring up at the ceiling, some of us, and just can't fall asleep. So what I always like to think of is, is the thing that cued our brain to wind down and have good sleep was viewing sunset. And there's three components of a sunset, which we can actually mimic in our own homes to help us sleep better. So if you think about a sunset, what happens? The sun goes low in the sky, the intensity gets dim, and the colors turn red, orange, pink. We can do that in our homes. We can switch off those bright overhead kitchen lights that are telling our brain it's the middle of the day and put table lamps on, right? Mm -hmm. We can put things on dimmer switches or switch to lower wattage bulbs. And the other really cool thing is on one of your bedsides, we usually have two lamps, one on each side, put a red bulb in one and have the other be a regular light. And at nighttime, you flip on the red bulb because as soon as your brain starts seeing, oh, look at the low light, it's dim and it's red, bedtime must be coming. And if you do this 60 minutes before bed, it is amazing how much easier you will fall asleep, the quality of your sleep will improve, and especially the ability to stay asleep, which I know so many of us struggle with. Mm. Mm. That's uh, fascinating. I always thought about light at the beginning of the day, but I never really thought about it at the end of the day. So there's a couple of really great tricks there that I uh, will have to implement. One of the things that where I really got into this whole area, I traveled a lot in my corporate career and traveled from here in Australia to the east coast of the US or to, to Europe. So basically going into a time zone that was 12 hours different to my circadian rhythm and, and sometimes suffered really badly from jet lag. And what I learned very quickly was if I scheduled my flight such that I would arrive very early in the morning at my location and then get outside all day, that was the quickest way to overcome the jet lag And because I'd be out in the sunshine, be getting some exercise and fresh air, and then often I could sleep reasonably well already that first night and the rhythm would start to shift very quickly. So do you have yeah. tips around that? I guess they're basically the same things that we've been talking about. Yeah, well, that one you said, it, that just speaks to the power of how much light cues our brain to reset the clock. Um, so while traveling, obviously getting light at the right times of day and also making sure that if you're adjusting to a time zone, like what we talked about with light at night, making sure that we're not going and exposing our eyes to bright screens if we're wanting to shift that. But like we were talking about, the circadian rhythm applies to your brain and its perception of time and light, right? 
our digestive system also has its own clock and it is the slowest one to actually catch up to the new time zone. Oh, right. So if you're yeah. wanting to accelerate jet lag, one of the best things you can do is start eating on your normal schedule in the new time zone. So if you eat breakfast at 7 a.m. in your current time zone and you fly, whenever it's 7 a.m. there, you want to start eating on that schedule as soon as possible. So that is hands down one of the best things you can do. Um, there is an app that I've recommended multiple times to clients. I've never shifted enough time zones to use it, but um, it's called Time Shifter. And what mm. you do is you enter in your flight, your regular bedtime, wake up time, um, your chronotype, which is your just basically your preference for morningness or eveningness, whether you wake up early or not. And I think there might be one or two other factors you enter in there. And what it does is it gives you a plan for the one to three days prior on how to start shifting your light exposure, your sleep, your caffeine intake, and if you opt for it, melatonin, so that when you arrive at your destination, you are already time zone adjusted, which is wonderful if you're going to, for work purposes, and you need to mm. deliver a keynote speech or be mentally present at a seminar. But this app I've used with clients that have traveled to Ireland, to Dubai, and then just from coast to coast here in Canada, which is three hours difference, but it has actually shown to really help them feel a lot more clear when they show up. Mm, excellent. Well, I'm going to have to check that out for my next trip. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. The, yeah, I had to laugh because I remember a, a, a one occasion where I fell asleep in the afternoon, really in, in a meeting there. So it was the first day I was there the, or the second day I was there. So I'd arrived on the Sunday morning. I did my outdoor stuff. I had a reasonable night's sleep. Uh, and then the next day, Monday had some meetings in the morning, had a, uh, was taken out to lunch big lunch. <laughs> then we went for a, an afternoon meeting in the basement of a building that had no natural lights and somebody did a presentation with PowerPoint slides, switched off all the lights and, of course, my body said, hey, great, time for sleep. <laughs> oh, you almost didn't stand a chance against that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everything was, everything was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Hey, perfect environment to settle in for a nap. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, one of the other things you mentioned, you touched on it earlier about stress. And as entrepreneurs, we all face stress um, through various forms that, that we have, you know, little control over. I mean, we can, we do have control over our response, but how do we build in some more resiliency? around stress because I think coming back to what you said about sleep and about nutrition, I imagine there's there's things that we do there that fit into that pattern of improving our sleep that actually help with stress or, or dealing with stress. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the biggest things to point out is, like you said, it's not that we shouldn't experience stress and we should eliminate it. That's, like you said, it's very unrealistic. Mm. So what I love instead is this idea of stress resiliency, meaning when I engage in stress, how quickly can I retract and pull out of stress? Because we all know those times and experiences where we feel like we got stressed out and we were stressed out for two weeks and we just weren't able to properly pull out of and come back to neutral. So when we talk about stress resiliency strategies, it's very much like 
weight training. Meaning if you wanted to have a stronger bicep, what do you do? You stress the muscle out by doing a bicep curl and then it gets better and you can handle more the next time. So stress resiliency strategies work very much like this. And some of them are really common and we're already doing, and some of them might be a little bit new. So a really good example of one that we are already doing is actually, as we just said, exercise. Yeah. Exercise is a stressor on the body. And as we exercise, our body becomes more resilient at handling that stress and we get stronger. So other ones include intermittent fasting. If it's good for you and suitable for you, intermittent fasting actually acts as a stressor on the body which can cause us to become more resilient. So when we get um, a critical message on Instagram or something like that, uh, we don't go as easily into that extreme overwhelm and we are able to neutralize. Other really interesting ways um, that I love experimenting with personally are cold exposure. Hmm. So by deliberately exposing ourselves to particularly cold water, we are able to build our resiliency. And not only that, like cold exposure has a whole host of alertness and focus and motivation benefits that really I, whenever I have a day like this of calls, I'm always taking a cold shower in the morning at the end of my shower, because I want to be in peak mental state going into conversations like this conversations with my clients. And then another really good example would be heat exposure. So using infrared saunas and things like that to stress our body, increase our heart rates. But these are all ways that are healthy and safe, but really help our body's ability to respond to stress. Mm, yeah, I love it. So there's lots of great tips there. And um, I like the exercise analogy, the lifting weights. And one of the key, one of the things that's important in that, and I guess it applies to all of these stresses that you didn't mention is the recovery time, the rest in between is really important. So it's not, it's probably not good to lift heavy weights every day. You probably want to take every second day or something like that off. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and that, that comes kind of the point where when I originally opened my business in, in 2008, um, I had said at that point, like, oh, there are two main pillars to health, and that is exercise and nutrition. And then as I was going along, I'm like, well, wait a second. Sleep is also really important. So now I've got three. And then I was like, but wait, now we're stressed. There's four. And then after doing that for several years, what I've noticed across the board, the thing that has the biggest impact on our resiliency and our health is sleep. So I no longer think of it as one of the equal four pillars. I think like good foundational solid sleep is the base of the pyramid on which everything else is built. Because if you don't have high quality sleep, how much more likely are you to skip your workout or not have the energy for it or not feel like you have the willpower? When you don't have enough sleep, your insulin is 20 to 40% less effective. What that basically means is when you go and eat that donut, your body has a much more difficult time using that hmm. and instead, it usually leads to more hunger, more yeah. sugar cravings, and our ability to compensate with stress goes out the window. So it's not that these are all equal. I really do believe that sleep is at the foundation. And I think um, neuroscientist Andrew Huberman posted something so interesting. He said, rather than asking someone how they're doing, ask someone how they're sleeping. It is much more telling because when <laughs> stress becomes chronic, hmm. it interrupts sleep. So by asking someone, how are you sleeping? you almost get a way better picture on how they are doing physically and mentally than just saying what's going on in your life. Hmm. 
Yes, yeah, I'm a big fan of Andrew Huberman's work, and yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, and I think you know to change our thinking that sleep is kind of the foundation for everything else uh, makes so much sense. And I I can think of times where I wake up in the morning and I think oh I don't feel so good. I obviously didn't sleep that well, and the first thing. The first thought I will have is, I think I'll skip my exercise, my morning exercise today. <laughs> so Absolutely. there's, you know, there's, a, I don't feel like it. There's a motivational thing. There's, a, I don't have the energy right to do that. <laughs> and so, wow. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then unconsciously, how much, how much other stuff am I saying? Oh, I don't feel like doing that today. And therefore don't show up, even though I do it, I don't show up a hundred percent. Yeah. And then here's the other interesting thing, like that kind of all pairs into that, especially with if you're looking at your schedule right now and you're like, I would love to get healthier, but where? (laughs) Right. And here's the interesting thing is we're always like, okay, if I just need to work a bit more, I'll just, you know, stay up an extra hour later and I'll be more productive and I'll just sleep less. But what we're not thinking is by not allowing our brain to be at full capacity, Hmm. you're actually stealing from tomorrow's productivity. So Hmm. what normally could take you six hours takes you eight. So think about this. If you are showing up to your brain and it is sharp, it is clear, it is focused, you get through six hours of work in five hours, and you have this hour left over, you can either use it to get to those projects or life experiences that you don't have time for, or you've just now created an hour for working out. Hmm. And I love that and using it as like, well, what if sleep could make my brain work faster so that I didn't need to spend so much time on these tasks in my business? What would I do with the time it freed up just because I worked faster? Hmm. Yeah, wonderful. That's a a great way of looking at it. And uh, also a a good point to segue into the buzz, our innovation round. So I think we could go on talking for ages about improving focus and productivity, optimizing sleep and a whole lot of other areas. But I think it's a, uh, as I say, that's a good point to segue into the innovation round. Same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is that um, other than what you've already done, that you'll inspire the listener to go and take some awesome action today as a result. I'm game. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Oh, I think that one should be obvious for our conversation. (laughs) I think if you want your brain to work well, we've got to sleep well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I thought you might say that. (laughs) Wonderful. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Hmm. You know what? About a year ago, I implemented morning walks and it's five to 10 minutes in the morning and getting outside. And what I use that time is to listen to podcasts that really inspire me. Specifically over the last year, I've been really been listening to um, The Game by Alex Hermosi and his, uh, the way he talks about product creation and creating value and exceptional products and delivery. I get so excited going into my day. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just found four more ways to get my clients better results. And so that really sparks me, especially listening to things that, you know, get the fire started. Yeah. Wonderful. And at the same time, you're getting out into the sunshine or the the light. (laughs) That's intentional. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. All right. What's a favorite resource you use most often? Mm, the Brain FM app. So this is an mm. app that um, basically when we're talking right now, our brain waves are in something called beta. 
brainwave frequency. We're focused. This app actually, you can invite your brain into different frequencies. So if you really want to relax, it has music that invites your brain to sync with it and relax you. And it has ones for focus and ones for meditation and sleep. So whenever I have a deep work block, I need to stay focused and I need to make sure my brain stays in beta. I will plug into brain FM and I honestly never feel more productive than when I do that. Mm, fascinating. Yeah. I, I played with it a little while ago, but I haven't looked at it for a while. So I must uh, so check it out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Particularly like, I imagine that if you use that together with the light um, strategies we talked about earlier in, in the evening, that it's a good way to relax and wind down. It's a good way to teach your brain to relax too. If you're one of those entrepreneurs that's just like, I cannot shut off my brain. How? <laughs> what is relaxed? What does that feel like? So I'll often ask my clients, I'm like, go on to the relaxed version. That is alpha brain waves. It is the next step down. Teach yourself what that feels like and then try to achieve it on your own. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Ooh. So I love to teach my clients that their thoughts create their feelings, meaning the sentences going through your head create your emotional experience and your emotional experience is what causes you to take action or inaction when you are feeling excited versus when you are feeling exhausted. Now, if you knew that the sentences that you have choice over are going through your head are creating those experiences, you now have the power to start choosing the emotions you experience on a regular basis, which lead to taking the actions that will create your results. So I like to teach them that mm. um, instead of holding them accountable with regular messages. I do that, but also pair it with, okay, you're not feeling motivated today. Not a problem. What's the sentence you're thinking right now? Mm. Oh, great. Let's change out that sentence. You don't have to keep thinking that one. So it's a really cool uh, self-empowered tool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the, you know, digging into self-talk because like, Life changing. The most the most <laughs> conversations we have are with ourselves <laughs> inside our heads, and if we can, of those yeah, <laughs> if we can understand those, or if we can tap into those and say, "Oh, why am I telling myself that?" and and change things because we we can change the conversation we're having quite easily. Um, yeah. So if we can change those internal conversations as easily, then we can change the way we're feeling very quickly. Yeah, mm. it's so powerful. I love it. Yeah. All right. Now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think it's your energy. Honestly, like I think that we act as magnets out in the world and we attract people with our energy. So if you want to excite people and you want to inspire people, lead with inspiration. You know, your energy is what is going to ignite the flame, especially like in my business. I know like even when I put up like a post and I've written it from a place of feeling really excited to share, hmm. there's a different response if I wrote the same post, just feeling like I have to write a post today. <laughs> so I think it's really getting into that right state and allowing that to be what attracts your tribe. Hmm. Yeah, love it. Um, and and I think that's a really fascinating point that um, people can sense the energy in the written word, mm-hmm. which... Um, you know, it brings up this because there's so much buzz around chat GPT right now. And, and I actually love using it. I love using it for different things to help me do things. But in terms of publishing the content it actually gives me, it does lack that energy, doesn't it? I mean, it lacks so many different things, but that's the thing that it just can't do. The machine can't 
be more energetic. It's just like Mr. Spock, right? No, no emotion at all. It's all logic. Yeah. You know what's an interesting thing? I literally was just talking to a client about this about an hour ago. Um, I was showing her how I would use it to, like, I'd put my bullet points in and it would make it readable. Hmm. And here's what I always do after it. I write, make it bubblier because I'm <laughs> okay. very energetic and bubblier. Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny and it rewrites and I was like, that sounds more like me. Just a couple <laughs> tweaks here, but I often will tell it to be friendlier, be yeah. bubblier, be more inspiring. And I'm like, that sounds like me. <laughs> so I yeah. think it's just one of the things I love about ChatGPT is I think it depends on the skill of the question you ask it exactly. more so yeah. than anything else. And yeah. so I've been yeah. playing with tone a lot and it's made it a lot hmm. more fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a few little t secret tips there for ChatGPT as a bonus. Excellent. Well, thanks for getting us through the buzz, Tanessa. It's, um, this has been a wonderful conversation. Now, where can people find out more about you and the work you do and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, absolutely. My podcast, Becoming Limitless, is every episode is a deep dive on one science-based strategy, like light, like food, like sound, like temperature, and how optimizing that can help you in your business. So great resource there. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram at Tanessa Shears and I'm open. If you message me, I will get back to you. I do love talking and connecting with everyone who is interested in nerding out about all of this optimization stuff. So yeah, that's where to find me on Instagram or my podcast, Becoming Limitless. Wonderful. And of course, we'll include those links in the show notes so people can click straight through. So what action would you like our listener to take out of today's conversation, Tanessa? Yeah, I would love if you would question if the tired that you are feeling is normal and if you still want it to be normal for you. I think it's really easy to look at all our colleagues and family and everyone is exhausted and tired and so busy. And I think we just think it's normal. But if you were to question, like, do I want this to be normal for me? And if you say no, I'd invite you to really open yourself to what sleep can do to change how you experience your life. Mm, wonderful. Great call to action and lots of tips throughout the conversation today to help you do that. Yeah, Excellent. absolutely. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Tanessa. I've really enjoyed the conversation, learned a lot of things that I have to go and implement as well. And I hope that um, uh, sharing this with our listener will really inspire them to question are they performing at their peak and are they suffering because they're sacrificing sleep or sacrificing some other things uh, related to their own health so thanks yeah, so much so yeah thank you for having me <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that engaging, insightful and really informative conversation with Tanessa and took something away from her episode. Now, I have to tell you that early on this year, I took some specific action to improve my sleep. A lot of the things that Tanessa actually shared today. And the difference in my overall well-being, my energy levels, my fitness, my diet is just astounding. So a question for you. Are you feeling tired and is that tiredness normal? Do you think it's normal? Do you want it to continue to be normal? 
be open to what better quality sleep can do to change how you experience life. I think if you take advantage of some of the tips that Tanessa has shared with us on this episode, you'll be amazed at the changes you'll experience. Tanessa's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Tanessa Shears. That is T-A-N-E-S-S-A-S-H-E-A-R-S. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Tanessa Shears. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Tanessa, as well as links to her website, her Becoming Limitless podcast, her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. Now, if you're still here, then I'm guessing you love this conversation. And why wouldn't you have loved this conversation? It must be useful to one other person that you know. So be brave enough to share the conversation with that one other person, maybe even two or three other people. Also, make sure you get the bookmark token for this episode at innovabiz.co forward slash bookmarks. For just the cost of a cup of coffee, you can have your very own permanent record of this show forever. Easy access. 50% of the revenue from this episode token will go directly to Tanessa as guest of the episode and the other 50% goes towards supporting the show. Think of it as a way to support Tanessa and tell her that you loved her episode. Tanessa suggested that we have a conversation with virtual CFO Sarah Young of TrustYoungCo.com on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Sarah, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Tanessa Shears. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Now remember too to go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel to collect your unique digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community, where you'll have direct access to our amazing podcast guests, as well as to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.